Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. And I'm 20 minutes late for my squash game. <laughs> and this week uh, we are looking at season four, episodes 23, Ask Me No Questions, in which a question of compatibility sends Frasier into an anxious freefall of doubt. So Steve, you're late to your squash game, but I also want to ask you, have you ever given or received a gift unprompted? No occasion. And if so, can you maybe tell us a little about a little bit about that? No, I don't think I have. I don't think I've received a gift. I certainly haven't kept trying to give it back if I had. Um, I think it's mostly been birthdays and Christmas for me. Really? Um, I mean, I maybe I could challenge you there because I'm just about to get off my shelf a 15 year old Glenn Farkless. Do you know what? From our from our boy John Beale, who listeners will know from another episode of this podcast, but also of course the beloved one of the beloved moderators and admins on Fraser Fan Club. And yeah, we he sent us that completely out of the blue. In that case, I'm sorry, John, and I will publicly apologise <laughs> because you've now really reminded me that John's actually sent me more than one gift. He oh, has no. sent me, uh, the bottle of Glen Farkas that turned up, which, in fact, last time we recorded, I was drinking a glass of. Yes, you were. But he had. He has also sent me um, a couple of Freddie Mercury Funko Pops, and I have a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. baseball Funko Pop. So thank you, oh. ever so much, John, publicly apologising for forgetting that. <laughs> you have a <laughs> well, they were, um, Funko Pop. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah, no, John is just one one example of, yeah, great generosity out there in, in the Fraser community. And, of course, a great deal of our listeners that have shown that in their own way over the years. Um, but yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, we'll get to we'll get to who's right and who's wrong and what the dynamic is with Daphne and Martin. But I, I agree with Frasier that it is one of life's kind of great gifts. But then also, I'm a huge hypocrite because I don't exercise my right to do that for others half as well, not even half as much as I should. I basically don't do it, and I should. You know, I think when it comes to looking at Martin's aspect of it, I know we're jumping ahead a bit, but yeah. I think as males, we don't receive or give gifts very as well. Much. Yeah, think, maybe. It's awkward about it. Even if if your friend buys you a pint down the pub, wow, how British does that sound? Mm. Um, I think most people go, I'll get you the next one. Straight away, you feel like you have to get another oh, one. Oh, yeah, it's you're not... in a round. It can never just be like, I, I, I have to make up for this pint with another Yeah, it's kind of, well, it's mine next. And if they say, I've always found it, you actually argue with people when they say, no, I'll get me in again because uh, I won some money on the horses the other week or something like that. You go, no, 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 honestly. And they go, no, please let me. And you're like, oh, my God, what? I feel I, I need to give something back. And yeah. it's exactly the same as um, the Daphne and Martin thing. If, well, at least let me give you a couple of quid for the yarn. Do you know what I mean? Please let me, <laughs> yeah. let let me, me give you a couple of quid for the pint. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me do some change. <laughs> well, listeners, please let us know um, what is the guest, uh, the, the guest gift, the best gift um, that you have ever given or received unprompted. No occasion. It's not a birthday or a graduation or anything like that. Um, just a gift for the sake of gift giving. We'd, uh, we'd love to hear. Shall we took ourselves into the proverbial trivia corner this week, Steve, before we uh, jump into the review? Yes, certainly. Yes, Excellent. Right. Well, we've been sent the usual questions by our, our boys, gals, the the, the Fraser Trivia master team. Let me just navigate over to those. So I'm going to open with Hamish's for you, Steve. Question number one for Ask Me No Questions. When Fraser is having coffee with Marta in Novosa, what colour is the milk jug on the table? Straight away, we've got a visual one. And weirdly, I actually would have said this and I wasn't paying any attention. For some reason, this is stuck in my head. Here we go. Do you know what? I, I, I don't, I, I 
I can vaguely remember it being there, only for the fact that I thought it was quite strange that it was there. I didn't think it was a very normal thing to have a milk jug on the table, which is very obviously what Hamish, <laughs> Hamish, Hammy, Hamish. Has, uh, has picked up on. Mm. My gut instinct is it's going to be, and this isn't my answer, it's going to be That's green okay. red because it's going to match with Nervosa's. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to react. I'll let you come to a conclusion. I'm going to gamble with red because I think green would look horrible. <laughs> I am so glad you did, Steve. Dark red. I'll also accept maroon or burgundy from the charitable hammy there. So well played. Well played, sir. I love that. Um, question number two. What does Eddie get confused with when Frasier is talking? Does Eddie get confused? There's a, there's a, I think there's... I'll, I'll give you a bit, of a, give a bit of a clue. There is a kind of vocal pun from Frasier about something um, after... There's a there's an exchange between him and Eddie of some kind. He talks to Eddie good. late on, doesn't he? About the question. I he think does. He's kind of seeking solace from Eddie. <clears throat> He's got to say something about walk or something like that, hasn't he? And Eddie gets excited to go for a walk. Is, I don't know the answer. That's my guess. I mean, excited. it's basically about Eddie's excitement and a confusion over a word. So you, you're barking up the right tree there. <laughs> um, it's actually food. So Fraser says there's so much at stake, followed uh, by a bark from Eddie. Not that yeah. kind of steak. Um, yeah, so there we right. go. So I was looking for steak there. Uh, finally, from Hammy this week, what did Fraser convince Niles of back in prep school? Well, this week they didn't discuss doing another play like Richard III or Hamlet or something else of uh, Shakespeare in prep school because back in prep school there was a lot going on. There was. I, were believe, busy, hmm. I believe it's – this is one of the things I said before we came on air that I had to look up of what this actually was because it's a word that I, I almost confused it with something else. He said he wanted to join the track team and Fraser convinces him that – all the cool kids are joining the Madrigal Society, is it? That is exactly what I was looking for. Now, is Madrigal some kind of singing? Um... I looked it up because I thought he said Magical Society first, right. which I thought surely he'd just call that the Magic Circle because I'm pretty sure magicians join that and that's like worldwide. I didn't think that was like an American thing. Mm. So I looked up Madrigal Society, which I found out is something to do with amateur singers in groups and it's 16th century repertoire of renaissance period onwards it's i don't know but it's very very niche to, to would, you, would you care to sing us a bar or two <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's knock a couple of bars out for you now <laughs> just spit a few madrigal bars for the listeners um there we go so yes it was all the cool kids were going to join the madrigal society um trivia from father mike this week who i believe is a new uh, trivia master of course they they love their pseudonyms welcome aboard well. father mike welcome aboard not your day not your day in the scene where fraser is walking around a foggy seattle with saxophone music in despair wondering what he should answer his brother what does niles remark upon when he sees fraser at his door and it's it's linked to the oh. other things i just said it's um Oh, you smell of the streets, isn't it? Exactly what it is. You smell oh, of the streets, which is oh, really good. 
<laughs> there's a just kind of there's a there's a, a, a visceral quality to Frazier walking around in that kind of fog. So I, I like the fact that it's commented upon because I do think he'd have that smell. Um, and finally, for this batch this week, um, so trivia from Niall Crane. What are the colours of the bows Daphne and Martin put on their respective presents for each other? Ooh. Oh, this goes back to ham radio. Sound of Steve putting hands over face. <laughs> Sound of bows being wrapped. Oh. But what colour are they? <laughs> Sound of door slamming as Steve exits trivia corner. <laughs> um, there is no exit, Steve. You're trapped here forever. Do you know what? I'm not going to. This is not my final answer. Okay. Red is always such a common colour, I think, in the show. I get the mm-hmm. feeling. If you went for gut instinct quite a lot, you can go for red. Mm-hmm. It's not red. It's not green. Mm-hmm. They're the same colour, I take it. No. They're not the same colour. They're not sorry, sorry. I should have uh I should have made that clear. Yeah, on their respective presents for each other. So uh I'm gonna be colors. really stereotypical and say that Daphne's gift to mine has a blue bow on it, and I reckon Martin's gift to Daphne is gonna be pink or red. But which one, Steve? <laughs> Because one of those red. is correct. <laughs> the answer is red and purple. Red and purple. Nothing to go on there. Just pure guesswork. I can't remember which way around it is. Um, I, I mean, either could theoretically be, could feasibly be fine. So, um, but there we go. Some cracking, cracking stuff there from uh, from Cam Winston. Do you want to ask me your questions, Dave? I have a few for you. Well, I have three for you. Hopefully, I've written these in a sensible way um number one in the first scene in which we see niles on the phone at 1901 he's talking to maris he mentions the name of their maris i can't say it marriage counselor Mm. who is it it's not i can tell you who it isn't i know that it isn't shankman it's um i know that it's not him um which is why i thought this would be a good one for you because i thought I wonder if you'll go for Shankman here. Well, it's a really good one because I think unless I, I for some reason I just know it's not Shankman, but I don't know I don't know the alternative. Uh, weirdly, I think it also begins with an S. Um I wanna just say Dr. Schaefer. It's not. Ah it is Dr. Deutsch. Deutsch, so not even close to beginning with an S. Dr. Deutsch. <laughs> Dr. Dorfman. Um, Dr. Deutsch, good question, Steve. Good question. Uh, number two, which has a similar theme. Mm. Cindy Katz guest stars as Elise Edmonds, who works in promotions at KACL. Mm. Who does she portray in the sitcom Friends? Oh, she's in Friends. Oh, my God. Only as a guest star, though. Literally oh. as a guest yeah, but I should know this because, like, in many ways, I know Friends better than I know Frasier, which sounds absolutely mental to say. But I watched Friends obsessively growing up. Um, well, the only hint I'll give you is she's also a doctor in it. She's also a doctor. Can you? I mean, do you have this information at hand? Do you know what season she was in? I can tell you. The, the the second part of the question is if you know the answer, you'll know which episode she's in. <laughs> oh, maybe she's. Ah, oh, maybe she's the, the the midwife that delivers Rachel's baby. Um, too late. Think too earlier. Late. <laughs> but she's also a doctor. Um, 
right idea, right lines, just not Rachel. Not Monica. No, Monica adopts Phoebe's nurse midwife. I don't, I don't quite. I can't remember Phoebe giving birth. Um, presumably, it's the one with the triplets, or the episode. If you want to know, is the one with the embryos. The one with the embryos, right? Is it, is it Doctor Zane? Doctor Zane, man, I can't believe. I reckon it. she's probably in the episode for about three minutes. To be fair, mate, oh. that, was, that was a horrible one. But I knew you liked Friends, so I thought, that's, no, that's a that's, that's a good one. I really like that. Oh. I really like that. <laughs> Uh, question number three, when Daphne receives the gift basket from Martin, she questions if it's for her. Martin responds saying it contains a certain type of bubble bath. What is it? Eucalyptus. Because I don't know anyone else here that would be using, <laughs> don't answer that question. <laughs> well, you know, your son correct. does, I'll forget it. <laughs> um, oh my God, finally. So one out of three there, I'll take it. I'll uh, take two, it. two, didn't you? Did I? What was the I first believe... one? The first one, oh no, yeah, one out of three, yeah, Dr. Oh, Doyle. there we go. Yeah. Crashing back down to work. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> um, buddy. Some great questions there, Steve. I don't mind crashing or burning when the questions are as good as they are, as they are in this podcast. So to see things to a close with MKs and his, uh, his posse, oh, you're going to love this. I love this kind of MK question. You're going to love to hear, Steve, the answer is in six parts. Oh, um, <laughs> it is all over again. <laughs> after Niles, it, it's so similar. After Niles initially asks the question, what is the order of individuals from whom Frazier seeks counsel as he struggles with his answer? And I'm going to give you one clue just to set you off here because the ham radio on was hard. We've already discussed he had Eddie and Eddie is the last person. Eddie yeah. is F. From A Eddie to F. is the last one. So you've got Eddie. Maybe it would help to work backwards. I don't know. There's the McAllister sisters. <laughs> There's Hans, the partner. Hi-ho. <laughs> I'm the ice cream man. I don't Hi think Morris and Niles are meant to be together. Hi-ho. I'm Nigel. <laughs> um, right. Well, he talks to Roz first because she's at KSEL, isn't she? Roz is number one. And Eddie is numbers. Did you say Six. six. Four to go. I think you'd be able to get all of them. It's just getting them in the order. Anyone well, he anyone he speaks to about about the thing, basically. Well, I know there's a scene with Marta. I'm not saying there that's is. in the order, but Marta there is. In is. There is. There is a scene with Marta. I'll confirm if you get the name right, but I won't and say about order. Yeah. Daphne follows that because she comes in for beans, walks away, talks to a friend, and he goes, don't you think, Daphne? And she goes, yes, Dr. Crane. Yes, Dr. Crane. Buggers off out again. So I can't tell you what numbers they are, but they that is the order I'm going with for those two, Marta yeah. then Daphne. Yeah, I can, I can confirm that is correct. They do follow one another in the way you've said. So I've got... Ros you've got, got Roz, Eddie, and somewhere between them, Marta and then Daphne. Yep. So you're missing two others. After, after Daphne, I'm going with... <laughs> oh, this is horrible. MK, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare say oh, that. Don't you dare um, say that on air. Oh. <laughs> oh, this is this is good. He talks to Martin. I can't think if it's before Eddie. It is before Eddie because I know Eddie's last. Right. It's Ros, Martin, Marta, Daphne. 
Yes. That's only five with that's, Eddie. And then just one between Daphne and Eddie. Who does he speak to between Daphne and Eddie? Bulldog's not in it. No, and it goes without no. saying that Niles doesn't Niles. count. No, it can't be Niles. Oh, the woman he dates, um, Elise. Yes, there it is. Unbelievable effort, Steve. Absolutely phenomenal. And yet you got it in the right order. I'm going to memorise every person in every episode from now on. <laughs> so glory not trip me up at any point. You're going to need to know the running order of everything oh. that happens in the episodes. But oh, yes, Ross, Martin, Marta, Daphne, Elise and Eddie for those playing along at home. Well done if you got that one. Thank um, you, Corey. But I am sweating after that. That was oh, horrible. Question two. How long has Frasier been waiting for Niles to leave for the squash court? Oh, my God. <laughs> 20 minutes, Corey. 20, 20 minutes. minutes. There you go. You've got one back on, Corey, there for, for making you sweat. Um, oh, this is a rarity. Corey has asked you the same question as Niall Crane asked about the colours of the bows. Um, so, you know um, same as before. <laughs> same as before. Daphne's gift to Martin has a red bow. Martin's gift to Daphne has a purple bow. Um, yeah, that's a rarity. little collector's item there. Um, Trivia from Little Owlet in the Glen, which I believe is our good friend Rachel. Um, could be wrong, but I think it's Rachel. How many times does Niall say no in the scene in Fraser's apartment? Oh, yeah, in the scene in Fraser's apartment. Count the times he says both to Maris on the phone and to Fraser in person. This is obviously going to require some educated guesswork. Or just a guess, because... My answer to you is just my clue to you will be it's probably higher than you think. Well, I thought it was 99, Will, so... It's wow, what? well, <laughs> it's higher than that. <laughs> I mean, do you know what? In that scene... Yeah. Just with Niles, Fraser's on the phone, Niles mm. is in there. Yeah. I reckon it's going to be... It's under 10, isn't it? It's under 10. I am not going to say a word. <laughs> I've gone off so many people on this podcast tonight. <laughs> so help I hate me. You, I hate MK. <laughs> You're going to be hosting this thing alone. <laughs> I don't like Christmas. I don't like this. And I'm going to bed. <laughs> um, oh, if only our okay. good friend Key was available this week, we could phone a friend. I'm going with, I'm just going to go with nine. I think nine. You should have heeded my advice, Steve. The answer is 12. Lucky 12. Um, well, it's 11, and I thought, oh, you're not giving away whether it's over 10 or not. I'm going to go with 9 because it's just under. It's just under. But, I mean, you weren't a million miles away. You could have said, like, you know, 36, because he does say no a lot on the phone. I might have been led astray yeah. there. Um, excellent question there. And finally, this week, from Trivia Corner, from Run For Your Life, where's Martin going to walk to? <laughs> I know the answer to this, I'm afraid, because I nearly had this as my opening line instead of um, 20 minutes late for a squash court. I was going to say, I'm going to go and walk into the ocean. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Walk into the ocean. Spot on, Steve. Some lovely questions there from everyone this week. And of course, thank you, Steve, uh, for the ones that you wrote for me. Um, keep them coming, as always. Lovely, lovely stuff. Shall we get into the review? Well, yeah, I mean, before we do, I suppose I should really say we haven't really missed that squash game because you gave me some questions served up and I clumsily batted them back to you. So. <laughs> we haven't missed our game at all. <laughs> um, animation watch this week, Steve. Please remind listeners what it was. I have written down helicopter. Helicopter. Where does this fall on your, you know, your 
spectrum of, of likes and dislikes. I thought it was quite exciting, actually. It's, a it's quite tiny, a rare one. A little, yeah. little bit out of scale, but it was quite cute, wasn't it? Just came on, yeah. across, and off it went. I thought it was I like quite it. nice. I like it. And also, this is a complete tangent. My friends and I are big Bond fans, and the helicopter probably doesn't but in my head it had like one of those classic kind of crisscrossed scaffolding tails that you see yeah. sometimes um and weirdly whenever we watch a sean connery bond film or one one of them always seems to figure in i think it was connery i don't think it was more but there was this kind of obsession with small helicopters in all of his films so whenever i see one like that now i think it's pretty much the same as uh early seasons of the a-team as well mm. they always had that helicopter other than the uh like the big chinook and stuff like that that came into it but i yeah. think yeah most of it was was that sort of thing the vietnamese ones are a bit different when they're going into vietnam isn't it but the Huey. Um, yeah yeah the, the sort of ones they seem to steal or, or ba baraka seems to build in a shed out of some cardboard and a bit of sticky black plastic <laughs> they always seem to have that like you say that sort of scaffoldy look on the back i don't actually know what that is um, no yeah, it just always looks really cool right now, but <laughs> Yeah, it always looks really good. Um, we open with the, the proverbial question, which this episode is centred around, which is, of course, you know, do you think Maris and I are meant to be together? Is this the quickest ever fade to black in the show? Because it's was, like 10 seconds? I don't think it's even that. I was actually going to ask you, is this the shortest scene in 264 episodes? Because I rated that probably at about four seconds. It I think it literally could be. The question, black, done. You're like, that scene must have taken literally one take to do that. David yeah. Ives wasn't going to get that that line wrong, surely. Yeah, I think I think the, the best, the kind of hardest part there is Frasier has to kind of gesture that that gravitas of the of the line that he's been he's been asked and kind of show the humility on his face and also the pondering and you know I think he's probably got the the hardest job there to think have I have I listened to that question well enough for the four seconds they've given me it also it almost makes me curious was the scene longer did it get edited down did they write something longer and went actually let's not have that let's not bother with a two minute episode like two minute entry let's just cut it down to just the question yeah, and it works quite well. And as, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, as we'll we'll get to later with the the kind of jazz noir scene, this show does a this episode has got a bit of formal experimentation going on. I think I think it's trying yeah, yeah. a few creative things the show hasn't previously tried, which I think is always novel. Um, it's the kind of thing we like talking about. Um, before we leave Nervosa, do you want to update us with the coffee counts, Dave? Uh... What did we end up on? I think. Well, I know there's there's two for Fraser in this one. And there's one for Niles. Did we say before we come on here? It's one thirty eight is the total. One thirty eight is what I have here. Um, if if listeners are keeping a better track than we are, correct us. But I'm fairly confident that that is uh, that's what we're on. Um, so now we we get to 1901 and the kind of the first conflict between between Martin and Daphne over this gift giving for absolutely zero occasion. Um. We've kind of said we've talked about ones we've got before. Are you are you against it or for it? Like, if someone was to do it for you, would it cause you more anxiety than not? If someone bought you, I don't know, a one hundred pounds something. Uh, I think, as I said to you in the start of the episode, I think it's very hard when someone buys you something. Like, say, even when someone buys you a drink, and then says, "But we're just having one," and then they want to go. You think, well, I kind of. I need to remember that because the next mm. time I see them, I really want to repay that. I don't want them to think that I'm that person who just takes all the time. And it's very difficult when you have got a friend or someone that, you know, wants to be generous to you, but doesn't really want to take anything back. Mm. And, and that's fine, you know, it, and I guess giving gifts 
can quite often be it's very rewarding for the person giving it and seeing the other person happy with what they've got is an amazing feeling isn't it i mean oh yeah um there was a time actually not last christmas christmas before me and one colleague we were going into work at sort of 2 a.m every single morning and um every morning when we got in he'd say to me i don't like eating alone so i've bought you in some breakfast and this was like for about 35 days straight leading up to Christmas. Every morning we'd get in at crack of dawn, we'd had about three hours sleep each, been in work the day before. It's every single morning, six, seven day weeks. And he'd say, I've got I've got a cheese toasty in my bag. I've got, you know, I've put something else with it today. I've got a bacon sandwich. I've cooked it. He only lives five minutes around the corner. I live half an hour away from the workplace. So I'd get in and he'd always say, I've cooked you some breakfast. I've got you this. I don't want to eat on my own. I don't want to come in and eat in front of you. So he'd bring me something. So I bought him a bottle of... Um, Gentleman Jack, Jack Daniels, Christmas nice. Eve. And I turned up and I just put it on his desk. And when he walked in, he went, oh, someone's left me a gift. And I stood there and I thought, go on, open it. Go on, have a look inside the bag. You're going to like this. Mm. And he opened it. He went, well, I haven't got you anything. I said, I don't want anything. I said, you just fed me for the best part of a month. He went, <laughs> and he literally just said to me, not because I want anything back. I said, oh, no. I said, but you really like Jack Daniels. So I got you the really top range Jack Daniels and, you know, single barrel have a nice christmas and he looked shocked and i was like well i thought that was kind of you've been generous to me i kind of thought i'd be generous back and he was kind of shocked like well i wasn't expecting anything good i'm glad you weren't expecting it have a gift (laughs) that was it (laughs) have a gift so i guess in answer to your question yes i attended the wedding and i know i've made that joke plenty but um, (laughs) yeah i mean i I do think spontaneous gift giving is it's rewarding for both parties the person who gets the gift as long as they like it that is it's a nice reward for them. And obviously if you're the one giving it and they're happy with it, then it's a nice thing for you to have done as well. So yeah, definitely pro. Definitely I think, pro. I think that is a cracking anecdote. I love that. I'm just what a great, I mean, both of you great colleagues, kind of two people you'd want to work with there. I think it, it case in point. Um, and I think, you know, that is, that's more important than the work you do most of the time these days. You need to work with people who are, He's definitely, like he's that. definitely a way forward. I mean, uh, through not to bring into current situations and stuff, going through COVID with certain work colleagues, you had to have that you sort of allegiance with a person. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I keep you sane in a workplace where you were supposed to be distanced, where you were supposed to be kept away, where you weren't socialising with, with friends and family around that Christmas time. You, I, I didn't see my parents that year. I wasn't allowed to. We lived in a different area. So having that work colleague that you could have close sort of conversations with for a couple of hours every morning while you're working together, it's literally like five of us in the building at that time of morning. So having someone that you could have a laugh with and sort of pass the time with definitely worked. And like I say, kept us both sane. So uh, things like that, yeah, definitely, uh, like I say, definitely pro gift giving in that reason, <laughs> for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got to you've got to keep the people that are like that and make that difference in your life sweet. You know, it's, it's yeah. important. Um, speaking of these these gifts, a big fan of both, to be honest. Um, obviously, the basket's going to come a little bit later, um, but the cardigan, very well made. I don't think we ever really see Daphne knitting that much. I mean, and she's clearly quite gifted. Um, it's I like the cardigan. I think the cardigan is poised for a comeback, and I don't say that ironically. I really think it is. Um, you know, I mean, it's definitely. I mean, it's definitely Martin sort of thing, isn't it? And when we see him in later seasons, and we see Mike Shaw, I know comes in with a very uh, cardigan. They make it look like a very old man thing, but mm. I know that there's a lot of Brits now that do wear them, even from like sort of the age of twenty five upwards. People oh yeah, get back then, into knitwear. You know, thick chunky knitwear. Coming back. Yeah. 
Yeah, honestly, I really do think it's poised for a comeback. I've been saying for years, I'm like, I need to get ahead of the curve, I need to get a good one, get ready, and then when it go when it comes, I'll be like, I told you all. Um, saying that, I have one and barely wear it, so uh, basically, you know, I've really got myself to blame if it really takes off. <laughs> um, Fraser obviously says spontaneous gift giving is one of life's great pleasures to uh, to Martin now who kind of having none of it it's like you know didn't you ever give mom something she wasn't expecting yeah you <laughs> that line is absolutely brilliant yeah you and i mean it's just the way he looks and phrases like mm, yes <laughs> yeah it's like i don't want to think about that thanks <laughs> um we know that fraser and ours are off to play squash they're they're dressed in their their togs um as, as daphne would say they're kind of white linens and they're ready to roll niles is acting like a soppy teen here um, I mean, what do you kind of make of this phone call with Maris in terms of cringe, in terms of comedy? It's kind of got it all, hasn't it? It's pretty horrible. I mean, it is, no, it is. like he said last week, I'm rested now. I can go back to groveling. Do you know what I mean? Because that is kind of what he's doing. It, it is it pretty is. sickening. It's sickening for Frasier to have to listen to it. Oh, it's terrible, but yeah. I've got to admit, I laughed out loud when Frasier picks up the phone and rings him and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Get off the phone. Well, when he then hangs up on him, don't you dare hang up on me. <laughs> You're in the same room. Just makes it so much funnier that Niles gets really annoyed. Oh, Pookie. Straight back to Paris. Oh. And then just like the callback. Like, and he's like, he just picks him up and goes, get out. Yeah. <laughs> just so kind of nonchalant. I think I think Kelsey's acting in that part. And, and obviously David's reaction, like I say, with the don't you dare hang up on me, <laughs> is just brilliant that they can't have an argument in person and they're actually having the argument in person but over the phone yeah <laughs> it's just yeah it's so brilliant. good brilliantly written so good um quick poll for listeners who has the prettier laugh steve me key kennedy burling please get into listener mail and let us know we'd love to hear um frazier deflecting the question again now and he tries to turn it back on niles which is although a very very clear deferral of the question a very legitimate technique, and what yep. Roz later goes on to say, which you know we're almost there at KACL, is is completely valid. Niles is seeking validation; he's not seeking an honest answer, and he gets an honest answer at the end, and he's actually quite amenable to it. But that's only because he's kind of mid intercourse, so he's probably not really listening. Yeah, I mean, the whole uh, asking questions or asking no questions, as he says, mm. it's very sort of takes you back to my coffee with Niles, doesn't it? This this episode's out of nervosa but it's almost the same question it's almost like my coffee with niles part two in a way <clears throat> yeah it's, yeah are you happy and he ponders over that for 24 minutes in obviously the bottle episode whereas this isn't and it's almost the same question do you think i'm happy do you think i should be with maris and obviously fraser's gonna go over that for the next 24 minutes yeah so it's it's strange that it's one question that Frazier can't get out of his head. Do you know what I mean? He has to constantly work at it. But they're actually mm. two very simple questions. I mean, if I can't use you as an example, <laughs> um, <laughs> a colleague at work said to me, mm. do you think I'm happy with my wife? And I knew them. Would it take me a week to work that out? Probably not. Probably Surely not. You, do you think it's... From, do you think it's a case of he needs a week to work it out, or he needs a week to realize, or a week to assess how ready he is to upset Niles with his answer? Or do you think he genuinely doesn't know? Because I think he knows the answer is no from the start, personally, but he's like in denial a little bit. I don't know. Yes, but also because we know that 
Frasier as a character, as a person, likes to analyze mm. the crap out of everything. <laughs> he certainly he has does. To. I mean, he literally has to. Mm. And and it's the same as, are you happy? Yes, in the grand scheme of things, I am. And should I be with Maris? In the grand scheme of things, no, you shouldn't, Niles. And that's blatantly what he's going to tell you, which is not what you want to hear. He, I think he deliberates over it more because he wants to know, am I being a good brother for telling him the truth? Or am I being a good brother for just supporting what he wants? Mm. I think that's, that's my read on it. That's what Frazier really is struggling with. He doesn't know whether to answer his brother truthfully or lie to him to make him happy. Yeah, I think that's a really good analysis. And I guess the question I'd ask ourselves and listeners is, you know, would you want a sibling that's like Frazier who will take the time, perhaps agonizingly so, to maybe give you a better answer, not necessarily better, or, would you, or do you prefer someone who gives you immediate response, immediate mm. advice, and won't defer or deflect your question, but you might not necessarily get the right answer, but you might get the one you want to hear. And sometimes that is the right answer, weirdly. You know, yeah. it depends on people's psychology. So, yeah, really interesting one. I think what's going on with Fraser in this episode is, is pretty novel, um, and we'll obviously you know talk through that a bit more. Maris calls again now. <laughs> She's scared that one of the servants has been walled in during the remodeling. He'd have been dead for weeks by now. <laughs> Another absolute laugh out loud thing. <laughs> I think it's one of the best lines possibly in season four, or, or the best joke of Maris. Do you know what I mean? With all I, the I think it's one of my favorite Maris jokes. With all the things like she's gone running for her water pills and she's on holiday in Zurich or whatever with her elbows or a chin grinder. I think the fact that he just goes, well, no, that's just it, surely that knocking noise can't be one of the servants being walled in. They'd have died <laughs> <weeks> ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mar- sort of dismisses it in a way of, well, of course it's not. Don't be silly. And you're like, well, that's me. I mean, <laughs> I'm tr- I'm putting mind not of a parable. Um, I put in mind of a, a meme that I'd love to make, but I just don't I don't feasibly see how you could do this. But like Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, which is of course about someone who buries a body under the floorboards and they go mad and they can hear the heart beating. The Telltale remodeling. Maris has killed a servant. She can hear the heart beating in the wall. Um, but as to how I would ever design the front cover there, I don't think I'd be able to do it. So uh, if anyone out there wants to steal that and, and do something better with it, please, by all means do. Not that I think it's remotely good enough to steal, but there we are. Um, Frazier's get out now ruins me. We've kind of talked about this already when he phones Nars for a second time. Um, and we transition neatly to KACL. And we meet Elise Edmonds. Can you remember what department she works in? Uh, I did ask you the question. Promotions, I believe. Mm. Can we skip that something, actually? I'm really sorry to say this. Sorry, I've completely forgot that you asked me that as well, so I apologise. <laughs> right. um, I want to go back to the conversation, sorry, between when um, Niles first walks in. Mm-hmm. He's on the phone to Maris. Yes. And he says... More than Van Cleef would miss Arpel. Yes. Did you look it up? Because I had to. I had no idea. I didn't look it up, but I was I was very tempted to look it up, but I didn't in the end. Um, I'm assuming they're characters from uh, an opera, but I think it's going to be something even more weird. It is way more niche. Um, really? Leave. I asked my other half. I said to her, um, "Do you know who Van Cleef and Arpel are?" And she said, I don't know, perfume maybe? Sounds posh, doesn't it? I looked it up. In 1896, Van Cleef, I believe, was the father-in-law of Arpel. And they set up in Paris, in France, a jewellery and watch company. Oh, my God. 
that's how niche it is. I don't know why the audience laughed or I laughed to start with because then I looked out and went, yeah, I don't know why I found that funny because I have no idea who these two people are. Are they famous for anything like other than selling like presumably very expensive watches? And I would imagine elite European watches, which is why Maris would like them. But the Fraser writers have really gone out on one to find that kind of designer because we're not talking chanel here are we this is it's this not is like a, a, a luxury house yeah yeah i would imagine they are known in the right circles but not in my circle <laughs> it's like it's like you know having a, a what's the amiga watch and a patek philippe or something you know one costs five to ten grand the other one costs 50 to 100 grand or something yeah and then um, there's Marty McFly with his Casio watch, you know, probably costing twenty dollars at the time in nineteen eighty five. There's different qualities, you know. Everyone knows that Casio watch from the Back to the Future films, but no oh, one knows yeah. Van Cleef and Arpel. Exactly, <laughs> the Casio is iconic. Um, there we are. Yeah, there we, nice job looking that up. There, yeah, I thought it just <clears> when they when I hear names in the show sometimes, like I said about the Madrigal Society, I look it up. Mm. And I think I have to now. I think when I watched the the show the first time round. That sort of thing, you hear the audience laughing, you're laughing because it's obviously pretentious and you think and you let it bounce off laugh. you a little bit. You never think about it. Now when I'm doing this, I think, well, actually for the podcast, I need to know that joke because what if someone asks? What if you'd have asked me? I don't <laughs> know what the answer is. <laughs> I um, would never be that cruel. Um, I'm not sure it'll make it any funnier for anybody listening or for me in the future, but at least now I know why Niles is saying that. And obviously it's a very in-joke with him and Maris of that's how much he misses us. Well, now we know, and knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. Um, we transition to KACL now, and we meet Elise Edmonds from Promotions. Um, going to go out on a limb here, and from speaking from personal taste, I think she is one of Frasier's most attractive love interests. Um, for me personally, Elise Edmonds, top five without question. Um, and she's Hello. very into Frasier. She's, again, very clearly out of his league, at least in my opinion, I, you know. I just that's how I see it, and she is practically in love with the guy. She listens to his show in bed. Um, you know, there's all kinds. Why, of... I don't know oh. why she bit between two and five in the afternoon, Monday to Friday. I think she says she tapes them to listen to in bed, but the idea that she just goes home and gets into bed in like prime working hours. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, so dude, I mean, what are you wearing? <laughs> Well, thank you, Kitty. Um, but yeah, Elise Edmonds, what are you going to make of this and, and the whole KACL shebang? I mean, it? it's, it's a bit strange because I thought that he had sort of policies or has he not mentioned policies in the past of where he doesn't like dating work colleagues? Oh, presumably, he, that's something he'd say, yeah. He seems to want to date quite a few work colleagues. Isn't there another one? Is it Edna in accounting or something like that? He has yeah, a, there's a few from accounting, I think. I think within, uh, obviously, the last time was when the tree was still up, I think, in that episode. <laughs> comes out. But there's so many things like that that I think, does he just... Who was it in one of the last episodes? There's another young lady that walks in and she says, well, that's what it says on my driving licence, and he makes that horrible, cringy laugh. Yeah. And you just think... And Ross is like, you're trying too hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you're flirting with every woman in the office, and yet Bulldog gets pulled up on it. Frazier, oh, he's a classy guy. He's all right, isn't he? He can date anyone in the office. He can wine and dine all these women. Exactly. Because, you know, yeah. rich rich and smart men never harass women, apparently. You know, Frazier's got carte blanche to do whatever he wants at KSVL. Oh, I mean, I don't think he harasses many women in the show, but um, his, yeah, I do think Elise is very clearly 
out of his league here. And I think, yes. what are you doing screwing this up, brother? Did you say he doesn't harass many women? What about Kate Costas or Julia Wilcox later I mean, on? <laughs> <laughs> Julia Wilcox, yes, the yes, episode yes. is literally called The Harassed. Um, yeah, I'm it's not defending him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he, that is very clear harassment. Kate Costas is a very strange grey area, and I don't even want to get into that because he's out of line, but so is she. You know, it's it's weird. He very definitely harasses Julia Wilcox. Um, and there's possibly, no getting around and possibly Miss Kane, old Candy Kane, when he decides to yeah. and kiss her when she really didn't come in for that. That's shocking, man. You can't you can't touch them like that. It's just, it's oh, just, strippers know. don't mind. Strippers I, come in for that, don't they? Honestly. <laughs> Absolutely shocking, shocking, shocking stuff. Um, some good Roz lines here in an episode that yet again kind of woefully underuses her. Um, when she's like, you know, she's she's very attractive. What's the word he uses? Thin? No, slender or petite? well, next to Roz, obviously, when she's wearing those pants. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the way Roz goes. Gee, I wonder why your mind went there. Like, absolutely kills me. But I can't remember the the actual term he uses to describe her, but it, it's about the fact that she is relatively it, it, thin. Yeah, it is slim and slender. I think something. Yeah, like slim. It could be slim. Um. So yeah, you know, Roz, kind of pitiful amounts to do here, but she's uh, she's funny all the same. Back at nine. Oh, back at. So I've just knocked over my microphone stand. Back at uh, nineteen oh one. Now we we have the gift basket that Martin's bought for Daphne here. Gift baskets are like a huge thing in the US, aren't they? Compared to here, it's, it's like a big corporate gift. Like you know, a corporation will buy their their listeners, um, their listeners, their employees. Um, not so much a thing over here. I have received in the past gift baskets. I actually used to work for a photography company that's now it doesn't exist. I can name it. It's Jessup's. Most people will now not have a clue where Jessup's. I didn't even know Jessup's didn't exist anymore. They they don't exist anymore. Go and get a film developed, Will. Go on. Pop in I'd, your local high street and take a film to get it developed. I mean, I'd have to take it to Asda, I think. I think it's probably the best place to get it developed. Um, I think they died on the high street probably 10 years ago, maybe longer. Well, like I say, look at photo developing now. That's a, uh, a thing of the past. Obviously, everything's digital. You put it on a computer. You don't even probably it's print it. It's such a shame because I think film photography is amazing and I'd love to get into it as a hobby, but it's way yeah. too expensive. It is an amazing like technique and, and um, practice to do mm. and um, something you can't really do with digital no matter what because although no, you, you can't, can do things, you just can't, you can't expose it. You want those, you want those imperfections like, that film gives you. Exactly. Anyway, so... Um, but you work for Jessup's. When I worked for Jessup's, going back to that, um, yeah, uh, every Christmas they used to send hampers to every employee. Probably why they went bust, actually, because they used to have nice hams, <laughs> nice cheeses in it. Do you know what I mean? We really? Knew it yeah, it's like literally like the day before Christmas Eve, and that would fill the fridge. It was like a really nice big basket. God, that's cool. Bottle of white, bottle of red. Yeah, it was quite nice. Every employee? Yep. Didn't Bloody matter whether you were the manager or, you know... The cleaner, basically. I mean, it, it is, it, as you say, it is not hard to see why this company isn't around anymore. Um, you know, well, that and film developing going under, that, but yeah. you know, that and <laughs> the development of the ph photography tradition might have something to do with it, but uh, but yeah, damn, rest in peace, Jessup's. Um, but uh, still lovely to get a hamper there, really nice stuff. Um, um we have um, the sorry, what are you gonna say? No, go on because it might be the same thing. No, I don't think it will be. You go. I was gonna say, I love it when Fraser bursts in after this with the uh. It's like waking up on Christmas in the Gambino household. The Gambino household. I remember like when I first saw this episode, which is, oh, I mean, over 10 years ago now. Um, 
I was like, I was like, I, I, you know, where's that come from? I kind of vaguely know what it means. Obviously, now I know that you know one of the the five families of you know old, old New York mob, Italian American mob, um, and like I, I, I remember, I remember when I learned that. I never understood what does he mean by Christmas morning? I was like, what happens on Christmas morning in mobsters' houses? But then I realized it's because they're exchanging gifts. Like for, <laughs> for the longest time, I was like, what? I was like, what does this even mean? Um, what, but now what's I get the it. eucalyptus bubble bath at Christmas? That's a bit <laughs> You'd get shot clean in the head if you bought, you know, Don Corleone some, uh, some bubble bath. I need to get some eucalyptus bubble bath, actually. I'm a big fan of a weekly bath to relax and have no bubble bath. So, what, what is a boy to do? You might also need some rose hips and Tahitian vanilla, I believe. It is a proprietary blend. But that's only if you're in the mood for love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need, fortunately, one of those things to get the dead skin off your feet. I've got very, very nice, young-looking feet, uh, which I shouldn't because I'm out running on them most of the time. And you know, you, you must wear slippers while you're asleep on the sofa. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, listeners, let us know what condition are your feet in. We'd, we'd love to. We'd love to know. Not in a weird way. <laughs> um, Martin, now I've put here, is is really out of line and annoying to me in this episode. Um, I get he's a traditionalist. He's of a different generation. It still really annoys me because it's just like Daphne's just knitted you a cardigan. If she hadn't wrapped it up in a bag and just said, oh, by the way, I knitted you this and just handed it to him casually, there'd probably be no qualm. It's almost a bit of a strange thing. And I know I keep being the negative one. I don't, I don't really follow the gift giving thing to be... Does it need to be there? I mean, no, it, no, it doesn't. But it's just literally That's to get it. them talking, isn't it? To have them in yeah. the app. Again, it's irrelevant, and it's about as good as having Ros and Bulldog in the last episode. They just put someone in there to have a conflict, so Fraser can get a good couple of lines in, and then go back to the original story arc. Because yeah, this story arc really isn't that necessarily. I mean, it is just a B plot of nothing. Just so, like you say, Daphne and, and Martin have got something. You know, you're going to be in the episode. We might as well give you some good lines. We can't work you into the story. Why don't you give each other a gift and argue about it? Done. Yeah. <laughs> to Honestly, put it <laughs> Honestly, you're just opening that big bazoo of yours, Steve, and you're just talking a lot of truth. <laughs> uh, no, you're speaking a lot of truth. I completely agree. I think this is just one of those classic B plots where it's like, how can we get them involved? It's not terrible, and it's vaguely believable. Like, I think there's nothing here that's outlandish. Um, not as outlandish as, as Fraser just screwing the pooch on this date with Elise um, and just being completely blind and oblivious. Um, but yeah, I, it, it does it need to be there? Would we be sad if we didn't get a little bit of Martin and Daphne? Does it add to their kind of character building? I mean, I just don't know. There is, I mean, I think there is a few episodes over the time, isn't there, where certain characters literally appear for, like, next to nothing. Roz in the uh, ski lodge, for example. Roz is in, like, what? The first two minutes. Yeah, and then disappears. Yeah. I think Frasier in one of the ones where I think Kelsey had to go to rehab. I think when Niles takes over the show, so Frasier enters and then disappears, and that's mm -hmm. all he has in it. They still have that bit, but the story arc of those people is that they're not going for a reason. When you've got Martin and obviously, uh, well, you've got John Mahoney and Jane Leaves and they're on the full cast wages, I presume you really have to work them in and give them some lines to warrant mm. them for doing that episode, to have them at work for that week. Obviously, when sitcoms are done, they have table reads on a Monday and a Tuesday, for example. They start doing the acting. Thursday night dress rehearsal, Friday night, I presume, in front of audience, Saturday and Sunday off, back on Monday morning to do the table read for the next episode. Mm. Things like that, 
they are working for a full week, whether it's full days or not. Um, yeah. I suppose if you don't give them lines, you're paying them for nothing because they're probably already contracted to have a certain wage to do the 24 episodes of the season. Yeah, yeah. Okay, could be wrong, but no, no. I'm I'm very much inclined to agree, and I, I don't want to speak to it too much because I don't know the full fact. But I, I seem to think there was a big dispute in Seinfeld, like Jason Alexander, who obviously plays George Costanza, and kind of there was a big wage dispute towards the end of Seinfeld, and you know, I, I it was a I think it was a mix of like him not being used enough, or um... he, he gets pulled out in one or t- the episode where. Elaine and Jerry go down to Florida. Yes, which I have seen. So that's like season three or four. Yeah, George isn't in it at all. And I believe Jason Alexander actually kicked off at Larry David about that, saying, why have you cut me from an episode? Is this the beginning of the end for George? Are you going to start writing me out? And then they made sure that he was never left out of an episode again. Wow, that must be what I'm thinking about. Because... I think Jason got very, very upset thinking, well, if you've written me out of one episode and you don't need George as a character, I need to make sure that I'm going to be going forward a long way because, you know, what do I do next? Elaine's obviously met the parents. He doesn't. I don't think George really interacts with the parents too much. Mm. I think there's one or two where Kramer's not in it, but Michael Richards wasn't that bothered um, because, again, he was such a, main, a major star. Um, it didn't really make a difference. But, I mean, going down to the wage dispute, I know that Kelsey obviously got paid a lot more than the other cast members, which is different in Friends, because Mm. I think after the first season of Friends, when they went to renegotiate contracts, I think David Schwimmer was the one who... um, They all got sent a letter to say what they were going to get paid for the next season when it got renewed. I think Mm. David Schwimmer then contacted the other five and said, they've they've offered us all different money, and I know they have. And they, they all agreed, yes, they had. And he said, we're all going back in on the same wage or we all walk. And they wow. demanded that of the producers, basically. I, th- I think it's after the first season, so I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I think they mentioned it in the reunion that basically they went back in and said, we all get paid the same. We all get the same storylines. We're a team. There's six of us and you treat us all the same. Or we all go and you haven't got a show at all. Hmm. And that's how they then negotiated. I think towards the end, they were getting paid a million dollars each an episode, which yeah, I imagine were. what Elsie was getting paid and possibly David. I don't think Jane and John probably got the same value. That is a staggering amount of money, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you say about Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld was getting offered a lot of money to do um, another season, and he turned it down. I mean, it was millions, absolutely millions. And he mm. said, no, I don't want to do another season. I want to get out of it now. This is the end of my sitcom days. Jesus. But, not all of them go for money. Jerry was good to walk away and obviously carry on his stand-up. But, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I love that about David Schwimmer. I didn't know that. Um, I'm sure it was him that instigated the, we all get paid the same or none of us do this job. Because at the end of the day, they I think they wanted no one to be the big star of the show. Friends was to be the six of them going through the whole thing. It was thing. ensemble, yeah. It yeah, wasn't it a wasn't lead. Quite- I mean, yeah, it's true because Friends is ensemble. There isn't a lead. Um, Frasier, there is a lead. So there has to be. I yeah. mean, it's like Seinfeld. Jerry has to be the main character in every episode. If not, you wouldn't yeah. call it Seinfeld, would you? It, you exactly. can't happen. Uh, exactly. Um, so Frasier sits in the Eames at this point when he's talking, and Martin kind of goes out and comes back in, and we have this kind of the first of two jokes of where he's talking and. The person isn't listening, but they respond as if they were. Always nice to see him in the Eames. But um, we go from this scene to Nervosa now, where we have an almost sighting of Maris. Um, This kind of 
strange throwback film starry looking 40s woman is in the door. Frasier says, oh, there she is. It's Marta um, yeah, coming through first. behind her. You're right. I, I believe this is the first sighting of Maris for every person who watched this for the first time with new eyes. Anyone who saw that went, oh, my God. Yeah, because uh, it, it so could be her, you know. It fits the description, doesn't it? The fact that he says, do you know what? I'm going to have to go to the source. I'm going to go there. And you think, as soon as she walks in and waves, oh, my God, that's her. Listeners, if you are hearing a sudden change in the audio, it's because last night after we recorded this episode, Steve and I lost, or more importantly, I lost um, all of the audio to this podcast. We have managed to salvage 52 minutes of it, which is right up to the point you just heard Steve stop speaking. And we are now back together 24 hours later to finish or, or rather redo the, the, <laughs> the 30 minutes that we've already recorded. Um, but we're going to go from here and we're going we're gonna to hopefully, hopefully it's, it's relatively seamless in the way we get back into the review. Um, so at this point, Steve, Marta shows up now. Um, she does this little thing where she kind of, she's been learning little mannerisms off Maris, little kind of boutique phrases up market things. And she kind of kisses him and she says, oh, I can't remember what she says. Did she say, oh God. Um, it's only been 24 hours. <laughs> so we're like, call, call, call me, mean it. Yeah, yeah, call, call me, mean it. And, and she's then, yeah. obviously a cute accent in there with the, because uh, I think we spoke about the bag, didn't we? We spoke about her bag. She's been gifted the uh, the bag. He's big. It's knockoff, but he's big. Yeah, but he's big. <laughs> and like Frasier says, well, there is a limit. Like, what does he mean when that is? It be like, there's a limit of like how close she can be with him or there's a limit to what she can say. Or is it a limit of how much Fraser will put up with her mocking or almost imitating Maris? Do you know what I mean? Does he feel a bit awkward that she's now becoming Maris? Oh, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Might not um, be. Could this just a, you know a thought? But no, I think I think that makes sense. Um, so Marta leaves Nervosa now, and Daphne shows up. So as we will remember from Trivia Corner, she was the fourth. Um, yes, fourth out of sixth um, person yeah. that Fraser seeks solace and advice from. Interestingly, she gets served at the counter, um, which is already full, kind of instantaneously. Um, do we think she's just she's a regular or what's going on here? She's a very regular customer, um, as we did discuss, and we're now going to repeat, which is strange. <laughs> Never yeah. happened on we, the podcast we have before. To, we have to forget we've said anything, Steve, and just, <laughs> just pretend this is all being said for the first time. This is a struggle. I'm not reading from a script, honestly. Um, obviously, yeah. Um, the point I want to make is that she is a regular customer. Obviously, we see in earlier seasons when she's dating Eric, I believe, or when she mm. wants to date Eric, he has his special blend, doesn't oh, yeah. he? Step over to the counter, well Steve. Made. Come and try some. <laughs> So um, she's obviously, you know, likes her beans to be bagged. And um, oh, she does. yeah, yes. straight in. Maybe, maybe they've got a click and collect system like we do in the UK now. And she's <laughs> obviously ordered previously online. She's gone in there with her receipt and they've gone, ah, Daphne Moon. Yes, your collection number 31. Straight um, out of the bag of beans. There it goes. There we go. Yeah, maybe. Must be a system. Maybe that explains it. Um, but yes, sadly, no Eric the Red sighted behind the counter, <laughs> much to my delight. Um, although I do like Viking has left the village. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's pillaged, he's ravaged, he's gone back, you know, across the seas. Um, now we cut to Frasier and Lise on their date. Um, can you remember where he's taking her for the date? Uh, it's to a, is it an Italian restaurant? Is it a little, Italian Italian, restaurant? little Italian place? You know, I hope that's okay. I think he says, and she's like, you know, I trust your judgment. Um, really, just want to grab 
Frazier by the lapels at this point and just going to shake him around a little bit because this is a really solid chance he's got at someone he could potentially have a romantic tryst with. It's some, hopefully something a lot more than that. And he just screws the pooch massively here. Um, it's very he typical. Yeah, yeah, you go. It, it's very typical of Frazier, isn't it, that it's going to go well. So, no, it can't go well. He has to make a mistake. We've seen him three dates in a breakup. He repeats the same thing three times. He didn't learn even from that, did he? He didn't learn from the first mistake when uh, Sherry comes in. He didn't learn no. from the second date. Look, do you know what? I shouldn't wear the same suit. I shouldn't drink the same wine, the same music and everything. It shouldn't be the same. <laughs> the third date, come on, Frazier, you've learned from this. This isn't the first woman he takes out in a car, is it? Is this the first time we see him actually take a date somewhere and, and drive somewhere? That's a very good question, because at the end of three dates, he's going to get into the car with, um, I can't remember her name. She was your favourite of the three. Is it um, a, it's not Adair, is it? Not Adair. It's not, not Kimberly. It's the other one. Um, oh, my mind's gone blank on that I'll one. Completely, but he's meant to be driving her, and then they offer to give Sherry and Martin a lift. So presumably she'll Correct. be in the car. And then in a few episodes, well, not a few episodes, in, in episodes time, um, we have the, 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 you know, have you heard the good news? Um, yeah, have you heard the truth? I think I'm about to. I think I'm about to. And he's driving her like miles and he's stuck in that car with her. And we never hear where that goes. So maybe this is the first time we see him in date mode in the car. I think it's nice that he actually takes Elise out on a date um, rather than taking him to the apartment, obviously. <laughs> The other three he's already met at the apartment, so maybe taking them to the apartment is a bit weird anyway, although he does yeah. leave with the third one, even though he lets Eddie then eat the food. But that's another episode to go back to. Um, <laughs> but with, with Elise, it's nice that she's a work colleague, which is strange, and he does seem to date a lot of work colleagues. He does, um, he does proverbially defecate where he eats, as we, they say. We have the lady in accounting, don't we, that's from the past when she said it's been a while and she was last is it edna and accounting edna yeah edna's another one who sounds a lot older than frazier yeah it's a bit of an old-fashioned you know if there's any edna's listening no offense slightly old-fashioned name i would say and obviously you've got elise you've got the kate costas link um when she's the boss obviously dating the work colleagues yeah um bit of a wrong in there phrase with dating at work constantly and finding all your dates and uh, mm-hmm. the lady with the driving license that he tries to hit on as well before he thumps his last melon isn't there <laughs> it comes in i'm trying to remember if in the recording that we lost or the recording that still remains we had that amazing bit where we talked about how has Frasier ever harassed people and i was like maybe he hasn't <laughs> and you were like what about julia wilcox and i was like oh yeah there's literally an episode called the harassed um, it's funny enough to bring it up whether we've already talked about it or not. <laughs> Listeners will be like, oh, we've heard this, but I, just, I can't remember. But I was, I just remember crying when we first spoke about that. Um, if, if we repeat it too many times, it'll be three wheels and a Steve up. Do you know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> um, on, they're running the same part again. It's the best of Crane. The best of Crane. <laughs> um, yeah, just Frazier trying to like turn it around with Elise. You know, like he's like, I think you're quite the practical joker. Like just give us some context before you start talking. He's like, you know, do you think two people could be meant to be together? She's like, oh, you've thought about that too. Like, just tell her that you're like, by the way, Elise, can I ask you something pertaining to my brother's fraught marriage? Not, can I just ask you this really existential question on the first day and just absolutely, you know. As a first date, it is his first date with her, but he must know her. She works in the building. Yeah, and like they, they know each other enough to have, have, have accepted a day. Yeah. Yeah. And she must know he's a doctor, he's a psychiatrist, he's going to ask questions. Is he that full on a date? Surely. I mean, she, 
by the looks of it, she seems to know Roz, maybe, you know, that's the same sort of level. Roz is more of a people person than she is a producer. She's not the talent on, on air. Mm. She's more sort of down with the producer, uh, with the, the accountants and Noel and all that sort of lot. That's her sort of group of friends. So maybe Elise and her would be friends. And that's where Fraser's got that connection. Yeah. So you'd think, would Elise actually think it's that full on or would she go, oh, it's that guy who asks loads of questions and thinks oh, he knows Oh, here he goes it. again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here he's we big go. bazoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't, I just don't understand. Um, but there we go. It, it's just classic dramatic irony that Fraser thinks he can just launch into one of his rants. Sans context and everything will be fine. Um, back at 1901 now, we have the final person from your trivia question, um, Eddie person i say final being in the uh <laughs> being being's probably still not true either you know animal what, what is he referred to as the lesser species isn't lesser it species. if i was god well i'd get rid of the lesser species <laughs> <laughs> um we have this wonderful kind of panning of the camera to reveal eddie kind of slumped over martin's chair his head very kind of cutely poised on the arm as he's well, he's not giving any advice. He's not opening his psychiatric Pez dispenser because sadly he can't. He's a dog. Um, but Fraser is obviously talking to him. Um, and as we'll get to in trivia, into listener mail, um, Corey makes an interesting observation about this, the way it's suggested that this is um, late. It's later suggested that the same thing happening here is the first time it's happened, completely forgetting this scene. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Of course, I must admit, actually, as a as a dog owner, um, there is two dogs that I will take out for a walk, and I will quite happily walk along talking to um, anyone. I, I don't walk that close to other people. To be fair, one of the terriers, I literally go off into the middle of a field and just let her run around. But walking out there, I quite often say, "Oh, you know, well, what you got there? Then what are you sniffing at?" And I think I don't know why I'm talking to her. She has no idea. Oh, I do saying. the same. I did. She just looks up at me and looks at me, thinking, "Yeah, yada 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 yada, Darcy, yada yada yada, Darcy." And then there's me going, "Darcy." So have you had a good day? What are you up to? What was that there? <laughs> and she's literally just hearing that. Yada, 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 Darcy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I think people do this. I think it's one of the gifts of having pets. I know um, my brother, this is just going to get so niche now, but my brother's dog is a, a Shih Tzu called Daisy. So we love to give nicknames to our pets and we love to like play around their names, don't we? And kind of give them variations. So I, and a lot of us have always called a Daisy Duke. And obviously that's a common thing. Everyone knows what that is. That then got shortened to Duke. And I often just call her Duke or Dukes, uh, plural. And then there is, I don't know if you've seen the film, I Love You Man, with like Paul Rudd. You have seen yeah. I Love You Man. Yes, Do indeed. you remember J, J.K. Simmons referring to his best friend called Hank Mardukas? Hank Mardukas. Hank Mardukas. I call Daisy Hank Mardukas, as does my brother. So, because so you've got two friends. You've got Robbie and Hank Mardukas. And Hank Mardukas. Uh, <laughs> and then like at the wedding, he's like, Hank Mardukas is there. And he like at the end, he like cheers with him. But yeah, so you know, I, I talk to Daisy all the time. I literally call her Hank Mardukas, and she looks at me and she must think, you know, yada yada yada, Hank Mardukas. <laughs> so it's to, just to be fair, you know. Darcy, my youngest girl, Terrier, she uh gets called Duck only because Darcy sounds like Darcy Duck. Mm. And you can easily change that to Darcy Duck. Then she gets called Duck. Elcourt often says, Duckus, come here, Duckus. And she'll just turn around and run over. But she has actually, out of all the toys that she's destroyed, I mean, she's 11 months old and she will literally rip toys to pieces. She actually has a really small duck, which is about four inches long. It's a soft toy. It's not terrier proof at all. She's protected that since she was baby. This duck just lives in her box like a kennel with her. She's not bothered if it's in there. As long as it's there, she leaves it alone. Just looks after it. I love a walk, not interested in it, but as long as she's got that to go to bed, she's fine. So yeah, Darcy uh, Duck. 
I love so, that. I love that. I mean, I'm sure listeners will, will have their own kind of funny little riffs and variations of their own pet names. So do let us know. Um, we have now uh, what we would probably say is probably the, for me anyway, the most like iconic part of this episode is the kind of noir montage of the smooth jazz, Frasier kind of wandering the streets, um, you know, pontificating. And he, he kind of keeps seeing all of these signs and things that are kind of pointing to the, the crisis he's having. And I think, yeah, just a real rarity in, in the show to have this kind of moment. It shows a lot of creativity. It's a bit experimental. I just really love this. It's nice that it's different, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. it's technically it is outside, I believe. Um, it's actually filmed in Paramount Studios, so I presume it's an outside parking lot um, sort mm. of set for films, etc. It's obviously not Seattle streets. I'd be interested if we have listeners in Seattle, which I think you do. I think someone's written in from Seattle before. I think we do, yeah, yeah. Does this look like a typical Seattle street? Because to me, it looks more of a New York street. The steam coming up from the steam grates, uh, they kind of look a bit more brownstone-ish in the style of the houses or buildings around. It doesn't look like what I'd imagine Seattle to be, and not certainly what we see in the thousandth episode when they actually do film sort of out on set, but outside in uh, location obviously on location sorry in uh, in seattle on that episode so yeah but yeah i mean it's a beautiful scene isn't it like you say it's very sort of the jazz in the background you almost feel like he should be dressed up like dick tracy more <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah private yeah, investigator yeah. kind of style out there in that Fancy in that episode so. or scene yeah um yeah interesting you mentioned that actually because it does look very new yorky and you say it's on paramount studios and it's probably just because New York, so many films are set in New York. Mm. Obviously, they're going to get a lot more use out of a New York looking set of streets than they would a Seattle set of streets. Um, unless, you know, Tom Hanks wanted to make loads of Sleepless in Seattle sequels. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember reading this, and, and listeners who are from Seattle can maybe correct me here. I, I, I think I've read it. And also, I, I have a friend who's a lecturer and she's originally from Seattle and now lives in Birmingham, which couldn't be more different. Um, saying that Seattle has a bit of a European flavour to it, um, the way the city is constructed and laid out, and it's maybe a little, maybe a bit greener than, than some other US cities. Um, maybe that's fair to say. But yeah, just the general vibe is is compared to Europe more than it is kind of other big American metropolises. So um, people that are from Seattle, you know, let us know what the vibe is and, and how this scans this scene with you know you're meant to think it's it's seattle but are you convinced um he goes to to nars now at the montana and obviously he's he's kind of wound up at the door he smells of the streets he's been to (laughs) helen back over this question and and nars forgot um nars does a really good job here i think of just like he's like sorry i'm a little groggy i really believe that he's like tired and sleepy um but like isn't he also just meant to have been having sex with Maris, but he actually genuinely is sleepy. So like, do we, do we think the lovemaking portion of the evening has come to an end and they actually were asleep when the, and the thing went off? Is that what, what your head was? He's probably exhausted from pushing their beds together, which is no mean feat <laughs> if they sleep the opposite sides of the they corridor. across the hall. <laughs> Obviously, that's not true because we're at the Montana and not at uh, Niles' uh, mansion or Maris's mansion. But yeah, I mean, David Hyde Pierce looks convincingly uh, very tired, exhausted, he does, a bit he does. sort of out of it, um, which I'd imagine, I mean, what time of the morning do they think this is? I mean, the doorman's asleep, isn't he? Fraser walks straight in, says the doorman's asleep. So is it middle of the night, early morning? Yeah, if I was to guess, I'd have said maybe 2 a.m. or something around that light. I'm not sure he mentions the time, but that does actually sound vaguely familiar. Maybe it is 2 a.m. Maybe he does say, well, I didn't expect you to ring my door at Bell at 2 a.m. or something like that. I I can't remember now if that's a line in there or not. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously very early in the morning. He's very 
sort of disturbed by Frasier, smelling of the streets and buzzing his door. I'm surprised Baby doesn't come and sit on his head, actually, with the doorbell going off. So I know. And in Daphne Hates Sherry, we saw that Baby's perch is right next to the door um, yeah. because she she's flies there. off Niles' shoulder and, and lands on the thing, but she's not there in this episode. Do we oh, see baby. her again? We do. We, we do. do. Is she intact at the Montana or Yeah, she yeah. is, yeah. I believe so. Um, are you a dressing gown kind of guy, Steve? Nas is in his robe here, looks very attractive. You know, I'd be tempted to get one of these, but also find I rarely use them when I own them. Well, I think, uh, isn't it when Frasier gifts Martin at one point a uh, dressing gown, doesn't he? He says, no, Dad, you don't like a dressing gown. Noel Coward would wear a dressing gown. You would not wear a dressing gown. This yes. is not for you. It's a smoking Martin jacket. Martin. Yeah, I mean, he has the smoking jacket, the dressing gown. The uh, No, it's the other one. It's a bathrobe. There is, Frasier's obviously got very distinct taste in these items but to have yes. three different types of robe i mean does one need to, three different types of robe <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> stop saying be there no the way he said just one need uh, I'm just to, i think there's like a pod where someone keeps saying one at some point as well when you yeah. when you consider he's got three different types of robe and i'm going to say that again when you mm. consider that he's got three why is it when he dates Faye and Cassandra in the future, <laughs> he, he actually lends two separate females the same single robe, Honestly. two mornings running? Oh, don't worry, dear. Just go down to breakfast wearing this. No, it doesn't sort of another woman at all. What do you want about? <laughs> He's got monogrammed hand towels, but only the one dressing gown for his uh, potential love interest. It's just it's vintage phrase. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic observation. Um, I, now, my last bullet point that I have for this episode um, is just it, probably my biggest laugh from, from the whole episode is we have Maris obviously ringing the bell to get Niles' um, Niles's attention. And, uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a man now. I don't dance to her tune, blah, blah, blah. The whistle goes, that means business. And off he runs. Um, just the, the whistle, his delivery just killed me. Um, and if I can remember correctly from uh, yesterday's recording, th- this reminded you of something and I can't remember what. It did. Um, the British sitcom One Foot in the Grave that about Victor Meldrew. So as we have discussed, I will, I will go through it again. It reminds me of a couple of episodes because they're an elderly couple. They're in their 60s. I say elderly. They're, they're retired. And uh, Victor's got a heart of gold, um, but it's a very, very dark comedy. But he has a, a neighbour that lives next door, Mr. Sweeney. And Mr. Sweeney's mother is much like Maris. You never see her. So there's parts where they're out in the garden and Mr. Sweeney looks over the garden fence and he says to Victor, oh, mother, mother says hello. Look, she's up in the window. And Victor looks and you can't see anything. The camera even pans up to the window. No, look, there she is. She's waving. Give her a wave back, he says. And, and Mr. Sweeney's quite confident that she's there. And Victor sort of looks like he's absolutely crazy. And obviously, as the audience, we look like she's crazy. But then there's there's an episode where Victor and his wife, Margaret, go round to Mr. Sweeney's and they're having a game of something downstairs, like a board game night or something like that. And um, Mr. Sweeney's mother is exactly the same as Maris again. Like I say, she's not seen, but he uh, he hears three clonks with a wooden stick upstairs, like a walking stick, and then a ring of a bell. And then a whistle, and it's like donk, donk, doop, doop, beep. And he goes, Ah, that's three knocks, toot, toot on the thing, and a whistle, right? That. And he gets a little book out, he looks at the book, and he goes, Oh, mother's in great danger, and she needs to be rescued. There's a bear in the house. That can't be right. No, I've, I've got that wrong. And she does it again. And he goes, Oh, no, it was two clumps, one whistle, two bells. Okay, that means, can I have a cup of tea? I better go. <laughs> and he's got a little code book as to what his mother is trying to say because she's bedridden using implements that she's got upstairs to signal Honestly. what she wants 
Um, so yeah, Maris really reminds me of Mr. Sweeney's mum in this, just because, oh, yep, the whistle, that means business. <laughs> <laughs> we do have quite a few Anglophiles that listen, and I'd be interested to know who's listened to, who's watched um, One Foot in the Grey, because I know we have fans that have seen Keeping Up Appearances, which we're huge fans of. Um, One Foot in the Grey is a show I've been meaning to watch because I know that it's quite dark, and I just think that appeals to me. Um, it was a really popular show, but then the more I read about it, I'm like, it sounds so bleak and weird. Um, there is there yeah. is some brilliant episodes. There's a couple of really good bot episodes. One of them, uh, they I think they go to a solicitor's office or something like that, and the whole episode is just him and his wife in a solicitor's waiting room, mm. um, and they don't move out of there. And everything is him getting impatient. <clears throat> Sorry, it's him getting impatient, and Margaret's trying to calm him down, saying, "Will you just sit still?" And he goes, oh, "I'll just get and touch this." And at one point, I think he he puts his foot on the coffee table, and the coffee table flips up, and she just keeps telling him to sit down. But he's so agitated by sitting in this room that he can't sit still. And it's just, again, you know, my 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 love of a, a bottle episode. And the other memorable one is that the couple are just in bed together. They're trying to go to bed. I think it's been thundering or something like that. They're laying in bed. The whole half an hour episode is the two of them laying in bed. And it's like 2 a.m. She puts a lamp on and starts to read to try and go to sleep. And he just keeps getting up. He's got a dead leg. He strolls around the room. She gets more agitated. He looks out the window, gets back in bed. The whole half an hour is just them two in real time, like My Coffee with Niles, a half an hour episode of them almost mm. arguing of why they can't sleep. And the whole reason they can't sleep is because they're arguing. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. I've got to sleep. But no, I mean, that would make an awful episode. But things like that, I mean, again, it's a brilliant British sitcom for anyone who wants to watch one. Um, I think it's six seasons, a few Christmas specials. Um, I think 1990, I think it started, maybe 89, 1990 to about 1996. Um, but yeah, hands down, one of the best British sitcoms I've ever seen, definitely. No, it's a very good recommendation um, and one I definitely need to get to. Um, ask me no questions, Steve. Is this in your top 10? It is not in my top 10, I'm afraid. It's not in mine either. Um, but as we, we kind of said in the previous iteration of this episode that's vanished, as we said probably before we even started recording yesterday, a great filler episode in terms of like if i just want to put an episode on that i know i'll enjoy get a bit of a kick out of it's pretty quiet and chilled and isn't particularly plot heavy kind of the perfect thing to just throw on um you know there's a lot of episodes where if i just fancy watching a fraser ep i tend to avoid ones that are really plot focused like i would never just throw on something borrowed something blue or rooms with a view or yeah um oh, i'm trying to think of some others I, yeah, I, I just wouldn't do that. Um, whereas this kind of just has that in between space where it's it's perfectly inoffensive. Good for good. good I feel for like it's time. a bit of a link episode, isn't it? It's it's mm. very much linked from the last two that we've reviewed going forward to the season finale, um, which definitely does work. It's just giving it enough to sort of progress the storyline of the divorce shows the brothers bonding a bit more and just moves it forward so yeah i mean like i say it's a filler episode really but it's a nice link just just gives a bit more story than we need but um like i say it's coming towards the end of the season so it's definitely you know working its way through and it, it's character development obviously for both crane brothers and showing their friendship and how their bond grows towards the end of this season yeah absolutely absolutely um i'm gonna have to edit this out steve we've got just an over nine minutes left so We'll yeah. be able to get through the before listener mail um, now, and then I'll end the thing and invite you back, Go back in the listener. listener mail. Yeah, it's cool, um, me. Yeah. Who have you gone for best actor pick this week? Um, 
there's not a huge amount in it for a few of the the characters. I mean, Roz is very, very limited. Daphne's quite limited, really. Martin, I mean, they've got their scenes, as we've discussed before. Do those scenes need to be in there? The arguing over the basket and the cardigan, are they relevant? Do we need yeah. them? You know, they're there to get someone paid some money, aren't they? They're not there for anything more than that. They get there to give them lines, make sure they're included. Mm. Um, I'd go for Kelsey. I definitely think Kelsey's, you know, the the the, the star of this one. Um, you know, the the noir scenes, as you say, walking the streets and the the Jack Benny impression as he sees the Jack Benny sign, that sort of hand over his face and the the mimicking and the sort of things like that. He's definitely, you know, showing his character there so yeah kelsey for me i have also gone with fresh um for all the reasons you said there um absolutely i just think you know the most iconic part of this episode for me is that jazz nighttime walk and fraser does a great job physically there kind of communicating his angst and also being funny um mm. you know and he doesn't really have that much to work with um Kendy Burling, I'm on the ground, Steve. Does he believe that two people can be made for each other? Is this is this something he subscribes to in his romantic life? I believe he does, but I still believe he is looking for the the, the one, the mm. Mrs. Burling. I, you I know, he's you. he's there's a lot of Marcos out there, but he's looking for <laughs> he's looking for Miss Wright, isn't he? <laughs> he is. I would love him and leave him Kennedy's slowly getting his way through Seattle or other cities where he, he might be um, looking for Mrs. Burling. I think you're absolutely right. All that remains before we get to listen to Mal this week, Steve, is to play, of course, Who's Crying Is It Anyway? Or I ask you a phrase or a line or a word from the episode. You simply have to tell me who said it this week. Who said, play it safe? And this is part of a, a kind of longer sentence that the that person says. This isn't just like a one-off line. They they say this is part of something else. They're saying, "Play it safe." You know what? I really have no idea of a question someone asks someone else. That's as much as I'll uh, as I'll give you here. I honestly have no idea of the context. This is going to be a stab in the dark. Uh, sound of ominous music indicating trouble ahead. <laughs> I'm going to have to literally just guess, and I'm going to say it's Fraser to oh, Niles. It's Ross to Fraser. <laughs> About Niles, she says, <laughs> why don't you just play it safe and say yes? In my experience, when someone asks that question, they're not looking for honesty. They're looking for reassurance, telling what he wants to hear. There we go. But I mean, you gave it a valiant effort, Steve. Well, I actually, my my reason behind it, which I'll explain, is I thought maybe Frasier had said it to one of the others saying, should I answer it this way or should mm. I play it safe? That's a really, here. really good rationale. Kind of how um, my head went around that. <laughs> I'm just a sick, sick puppy who likes to uh, to trick you up. Um, are Good. you ready to jump over to listener mail this week, Steve? Yes, let's go for it. Let's go. Excellent. Roz, who's our next caller? Okay, so listener mail this week. Um, we've heard from quite a few of you. Thank you for writing in as always. Disgruntled Pelican 58 kicks us off this week and says, 
Hi, quick note about brownouts. It's a drop in voltage for the electrical power supply can be caused by a huge demand for electricity, like from air conditioners in a heat wave, and can be intentional to limit electrical usage and prevent blackouts during emergencies. For what it's worth, I'm from the US and take my tea with milk and dry toast sounds awful. I think it might be used here just to show how terrible Fraser is feeling. I think a previous episode, maybe Space Quest, Fraser mentions he always has a bran muffin and yogurt for breakfast. I do remember that. We did try and guess what brownouts meant, Steve, and I think we were you know way what? off the mark. We couldn't have been further away if it had been called anything else, really, could it? I mean, I went no. with suntans, you went with crops being damaged. I think we both... No, we were miles off. We were miles <laughs> no, off. We were miles off. It was electricity. <laughs> uh, Wendell Fong is next. Yeah, I've actually now got Reddit working, so it's fine. I've Excellent. Got it, I've got it up here. So, yes, Wendell Fong is next. Uh, biscuits and gravy were on my must-try list when I first went to see meet Mrs. F's family in the good old US of A. Mm. For Brits, I would describe biscuits as being sort of like savoury scones. I would also say scones, as in the UK, there is a big divide in scones or scones. There certainly is. Uh, as for the gravy, Steve is correct in surmising that they are quite far removed from gravy we're used to in the UK. It's a flour and milk-based sauce, sort of like a bechamel. bechamel. I'm never good with that word. Yeah. Uh, made with sausage meat and sometimes bacon and often seasoned with a decent amount of black pepper. I'm sure it probably varies depending on what state you're in, but it's quite delicious and something I tend to seek out when stateside. I can practically hear my left ventricle slamming shut even as we speak. <laughs> that is something that, like I said, Robin Milliken, one of our moderators on Fraser Fan Club, is from the South and she's told me about uh, gravy being very different from British gravy before. So, And that, that definitely describes what she's described to me in the past. Uh, Wendell goes on to say, interested to know if any go-to British foods that you recommend to those visiting or otherwise new to the UK beyond the classic fish and chips. One of mine is Staffordshire oat cakes with bacon and melted cheese, a taste sensation. Mm. Uh, I don't have anything local to me. Will, do you have anything local to you that's a British delicacy of some sort? <laughs> I am from Birmingham and we are the curry capital of the UK. I think anyone who is from Birmingham will vouch for the truth in that. We have amazing curries here. The Balti Triangle. I think the Balti itself is a is a West Midlands-based curry. Um, hmm. I mean, it could be disputed. I mean, we all get the spices from, obviously, nowhere near the UK. Um, <laughs> it's a, a kind of hangover from, from the empire. I'd also say, if I was recommending great British foods, a Scotch egg. I think a Scotch egg is absolutely incredible. The For those who don't know, it's like a, a soft-boiled egg um or hard boiled egg i can never remember the which which way which um it's kind of somewhere in between it's hard if you're getting it out of the fridge isn't it but if it's served at a restaurant generally it is it's still yolky when you cut it open but yeah, yeah you can have yeah. them sort of hard boiled so you can have them sort of savory takeaway snack as well so it's wrapped in sausage meat and then breadcrumbs and, and a deep fried incredible scotch egg would be my vote I am. Um, I actually once sent a picture of a Scotch egg to John Beale, uh, mm. who's in America, and he, I think, just replied with, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> to which I have <laughs> the description you've just given me there. And uh, yeah, we we've discussed obviously to and from across the pond quite a few times different things. He'd say, "So is this common in Britain?" I'd go, "Yeah," and he'd go, "You eat that?" Yes, we eat that. We eat that. <clears throat> which is probably why they mock Daphne so much in her cooking in uh, in the show, obviously. Mm. <laughs> um so that yeah scotch egg would be my my vote curry's near me um listeners you know if you're from the uk let us know what would be your uh, your recommendation uh mischief knight says quote i prescribe poetry not medicine end quote dr william carroll that might be the most fraser thing 
you've ever said that's never actually been on Fraser. Bravo. I'm uh, very <laughs> touched. Um, thank you. Thank you, Corey. Um, this whole episode of the podcast oscillates as uh, as mk writes steve though it is odd daphne would keep her pills near the sherry the reason daphne comes up to the apartment is to tell niles she actually keeps them on her dresser so more of a plot contrivance i think than a random oddball moment trivia and fun bits for ask me no questions i was going to say that the marriage counselor was called dr deutsch which was not the name of dr bernard shankman whom we meet later but i checked the maris counselor and they do specify that shankman is new Martin goes through his keep your bazoo shut bit, not two episodes after Frasier's big bazoo helped him with Sherry. A very good point, I think. Very good point indeed. After Frasier sees the Jack Benny festival marquee, he does his Jack Benny impression, which Steve has kindly modelled for us, so only I can have the pleasure of seeing it. <laughs> um, Frasier talks to Eddie for help, yet we're led to believe in backtalk that it's the first time he's engaged in the practice. There he goes. That's the thing I was alluding to earlier. Elise is from Promotions, which might be the first KACL girl he's gone after who isn't from Accounting or Kate. Um, very, very good point. The name of the episode is Ask Me No Questions, yet only a singular question is asked. And finally, somewhat of an inverse My Coffee with Niles, where the episode starts with a question and ends with the answer, but is in no way a bottle or contained episode. And I can't remember if this was lost in the audio, but I'm fairly certain listeners will have heard Steve make that point earlier, which is just amazing. We, the We definitely discussed it, whether we discussed it pre or post loss. Uh, I think that was had, in the episode. I think it was. Yeah, before we had to get that tape of all the notes out of a boombox and replace this recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, great stuff from MK there. I will say, though, that that's not the only uh, impression that Frasier does throughout the series, is it? Jack Benny is obviously a, a Kelsey Grammer. I, I presume it's a Kelsey Grammer thing that he's a Jack Benny fan mm. because there's a few times he sort of does that sort of hand, slight, just gently touching one cheek, slightly obscuring one side of his face. But I think his best, there's actually a clip on YouTube, um, which I'll have to find, it's, it's outtakes, but it's Kelsey saying that he actually does quite a few impressions in the show. Mm. And it's as an actor. So it's not as Frazier, or Frazier does them, but it's him that wants to do them. And one of my favourite ones is Sylvester the Cat, when he does his Sylvester the Cat impression. I believe it's the one with Diane in it. Um, when she's on the stage and Franklin is playing Frazier, isn't he? Mm. And he, uh, he sort of says, ah, yes, Franklin. And he sort of spits exactly the same as Sylvester the Cat. He does it a couple of times. I think it's just in that episode. But it's nice to see that Kelsey sort of thought he could sort of bring in um, different people like that. And like I say, with the Jack Benny, and uh, obviously there is other impressions that Kelsey does. Um, but yeah, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant outtake video if anyone wants to look it up on YouTube. No, that sounds great. I'm thinking of Morning Becomes Entertainment with the, the Sean Connery and the, you know, Money Penny, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> and the, the, the Jack, no, James Mason one, which I did attempt in yesterday's recording. I'm not going to attempt it again now. Oh, go on, go on. It's so good with the James Mason. Uh, James Mason by. is stopping by. I can't even remember how he does it. Um, I can't even remember how James Mason speaks, but it's uh, it's something along those lines. But there he goes. I don't go. think Kelsey knows either. <laughs> Um, next up, we have Carm Winston, mm. and I am sorry, but I'll probably butcher this with the a bit of New Zealand native speak that Hammy's put in here. Kia ora, or I think it's Kia ora, my lads, Will and Steve. Say hi to Key for me too. Right, strap in a bit to discuss. You were chatting about biscuits and the difference with cookies, etc. Herein, and I believe we noticed that Aotearoa. Uh, it's the New Zealand, the Maori name, not Maori, maybe not Maori, but the name for New Zealand. Um, uh, 
I think when uh, when we do the live episode or however the live episode happens and Hamish is on here, he can speak some of this language and actually teach us how to pronounce the words he puts in here. Um, so anyway, here in New Zealand, biscuits are cookies and wait for it. Cookies are biscuits. Sometimes an American biscuit is also a scone and their jelly is our jam and our jelly is their jello. If you're all following that, we could be here all day. Either way, I love food. Also, biscuits, scones with gravy sounds epic. And I have my tea with milk too. Nice. Steve, when you nailed that Tennessee Williams question and the title cards, I yelled, damn you, in my car. As I thought I had stumped you, I tipped my hat to you, my British chum. Now, Fraser stuff. Fraser and Daphne as a couple, or at least just for one night, not a good idea. I'm glad they didn't, although Fraser's horny side would probably disagree. However, in hindsight, looking back from a future perspective, Brother Niles did have an evening with Lilith. Mm. Every day in Arkansas. Uh, I mentioned I wasn't sure why I wasn't a fan of Sherry as a character. I think you lads nailed it in your last episode. It's the meddling. Daphne has full right to be annoyed at this, especially giving out her phone number to single bachelors. Love the actress, however, superb casting. Anyway, peace. And as always, hashtag up the villa, Hammy, a.k.a. Tom Winston. Tom Winston. Amazing. Thank you, Hammy. And thank you, everyone who wrote in this week. Um, so lovely to hear from you all. Next week, it is the final episode of season four. Um, odd man out. Can't believe how long it's been. Um, the season four has been a long season on the podcast because we've had a lot of um, kind of personal circumstances, a lot of busyness, um, a lot of breaks in between episodes. This has definitely been the longest season we've recorded. Um, and live episode awaits after that. It's been so long since we've done a live episode. We're so excited for that. Just an update for listeners because people have been asking on social media. Key is 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 fine. He's just very busy. He's got a lot going on. He's still around. He still wants to be, you know, do the podcast and everything. We're just kind of giving him that time he needs till he can come back. Um, but you know, Steve's been doing an amazing job guest hosting, and you know, I'm so grateful we have someone in the community who I've become friends with. Not only that, but who knows the podcast kind of as well as as Key and I do. Um, so, so, so appreciative of you, Steve, and that you can kind of step in any time and kind of do these episodes with us. The podcast would probably have died a death had you not been around. So uh, oh, I wouldn't let it happen. I wouldn't let it happen. It's been well, an absolute pleasure, actually. And, and it's it's a shame that I'm uh, filling key shoes because actually it means I don't get to listen to this podcast, which I've enjoyed <laughs> from the start. Listening to you and Key as best friends talk about the show. It's a bit odd now if I'm on it. I think, well, that's an hour of my life. I'm not going to actually be able to listen to a podcast. I have to find something else to do. Um, which I normally feel by instead listening to uh, either another sitcoms podcast or watching a sitcom somewhere else. So <laughs> I have filled the time, but um, yeah, I can't wait for Key to be back. Unfortunately, it might mean my absence for a bit, but um, yeah, Key, we will see you soon, I'm sure. <laughs> we will see you soon, but in the meantime, thank you, Steve. Stephen, just Steve. Just Steve, just Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, I've been Will. And I've been Steve. And thank you very much for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Oh, my. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.